What's up, Dialed fam? Happy Wednesday and welcome to the Strength Training for Cyclists podcast by Dialed Health. My name is Derek Teal. I'm the owner and head coach here at dialedhealth.com and I gotta wish everyone a very happy spring. I mean, what cyclist doesn't like hearing the words that winter is over officially? I'm so stoked to be knowing that the snow is melting, high elevation rides are coming back, the layers are starting to shed off, warmer temps, longer days, more sunshine. I mean, even though I have snot, running down my face because these allergies, even though I have people questioning me with the Rona right now because of the hay fever, I got a little cough going on, it's worth it. It is worth it for this better weather and just the dreamville I'm living in currently of these bigger rides that are gonna be happening. And I'm sure you are too. I'm sure you have summer plans, hopefully, to really get after it. And with all that being said, I can't imagine a better guest for this week's episode. If you're not familiar with Fernley, I highly recommend checking out his YouTube channel or even his Instagram content. And I have links for it in the show notes, but I actually had met him because I was such a fan of his content that I just started reaching out. (laughs) I was honestly engaging with his content a ton, asking him questions. And I, I mentioned it on the episode, but the biggest thing that drew me toward what he was doing initially, besides just how quality the aesthetics are, the photos are incredible, his videos, He just has the vibe right Uh, and it's amazing writing so all the things that you want but really from a business side of it at the time i had started following him i was really trying to learn how to push my instagram content more and he was putting out so much high quality content at such a high rate i was like fascinated with how he was doing it so that kind of started out all that connection and i'm really fortunate to say that he's now a part of the dialed fam and for the last eight months or so he's been using the guided workouts And we're going to talk about which one he prefers, why he does it specifically, and his real goals with strength training on the episode. Um, But it's just so cool to know that he's actually using the product and we've become friends, you know, in the last uh, couple years of connecting. So we officially sat down for this conversation, and I think you're going to love it because besides the strength training stuff, we do talk a lot about bikepacking and gravel riding, which he's becoming uh, very known for. And you'll see in a lot of his videos, but he has a lot of great experience and tips and tricks, crazy weather conditions and uh, terrain, and just huge days on the bike. In fact, the day before we recorded this podcast, he just did a 300-kilometer gravel ride. So he's, he's the real deal. Uh, we're also going to talk about preparing for Badlands and some other big events like that. We're going to talk about content creation and just kind of his mindset when he goes into rides knowing he wants to pull a video out of it. Uh, We'll also kind of mention his Ride Beyond crew and sort of the the support system he has to really create all this stuff. Uh, We're going to talk about his favorite ride trip he's been on so far. And then we have a rapid fire question round amongst a ton of other little things I wanted to know personally, because like I said, I've been following his content and it was easy for me to really ask him these little niche questions. And I think if you followed him, you'll hopefully appreciate what I asked you. Maybe you'll, you've been wondering it as well. And if you haven't met him, I think it'll be a great chance to get to know him. And it's just a fascinating dude. I think at the end of the day, no matter what, you're going to be inspired to get on your bike and go explore. And that is what I'm so pumped about. So great episode. Once we get into, or once we finish the interview, I'm going to give you a little recap of what's been happening with Dialed Health. As you know, I didn't put out a podcast episode last week, which I do apologize about. I kid you not, I recorded half of it. And then I got called home with the twins, family called. And, you know, honestly, with my schedule being so different lately, it's been harder for me to, I guess, almost like adapt on the fly because I'll just be honest, 
I was trying to record it the day before it was out, which is not a good idea anymore. <laughs> I need to be a little bit more organized with the family dynamic, but I think we're getting on top of it. So last week, uh, we d it didn't happen, and I have a lot to catch you up on in, in the business, life personally. So we'll finish the episode there. And before we actually get into Fernwee's uh, interview, I have an awesome testimonial that was sent in by Harris Dunlap. And this is a Dialed Fan member. He sent it. It was just one of those I had to share with you guys. So check this out. I'm going to read it verbatim. He says, I wanted to drop you a line and tell you how much I'm enjoying your program. I race cyclocross and enduro in addition to a very physical job and have been employing my own strength plan for a number of years to keep up with all the demands and expectations I put on my body. Long story short, I had a pretty physical and demanding year at work about two years ago, suffered some overuse injuries to my wrists and elbows, and figured my days of crushing it on the MTV may well be behind me. In comes in your programs, and all that has changed. Your focus on mobility and complex movements has really helped me improve my form and range of motion. I'm back on the mountain bike and feel more stable than ever. I'm honestly blown away at how making some uh, in parentheses, significant changes with my strength routine has alleviated all the wrist and elbow pain that I had basically resigned myself to. I really can't thank you enough for that. Harris, that gets me so fired up and it's such a reminder of why I do what I do because I personally am constantly amazed at how much pain your body can be in and how long it can be that way and how simply it can be fixed. And of course, that's not always the case. I you know, got a disclaimer that, but I'm just constantly amazed when people put effort into some structured training, some mobility, and they're consistent with it, how their body can respond to it. So it's amazing. Props to you for getting after it and just reaping those benefits. And I really encourage anyone to start you know, taking that leap. If you are also experiencing something that you're like, man, I'm, this is just me for the rest of my life. It, I hope it's not the case, and it's probably not if you really start trying to figure it out. Um, so hopefully the Dialed Health programs can be a step to that, just like it was for Harris. Uh, if you have any questions, please reach out to me, Derek at dialedhealth.com, and I'd love to get them answered for you. And with that being said, let's just jump into this episode. Okay. okay, we are officially live. Fernley is in the building. And before I butcher your name with a potential French pronunciation, I'm not even going to try. Can you introduce yourself <laughs> as your real name? Yeah, of course. Hi, my name is Martijn van Strien. Very Dutch name. And I run a YouTube channel called Fernwe. That's how we, uh, we met, I guess, virtually. It is. Yeah. And I was just, we were just discussing how funny it is now to meet people online where you'll follow them for maybe a year or more, which is kind of our case. We go back and mm -hmm. forth. Uh, maybe you even start uh, working on actual things together. Like I've been helping uh, <laughs> Martine. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm way too American. Um, I've been helping Fernley with some strength training and it's been amazing to have him not only implement it, but get the results from it. And he's also been plugging me on the social media, which has been super helpful. And one of the reasons I reached out to him initially was because I've been such a fan of the content he's put out. There's such a hard balance between quality and quantity when you're putting out a lot of content. And it's always, mm -hmm. for me up until recently, it's been like, which one do you focus on more? And so I saw your content and not only do I love it because it's so visually aesthetic and the writing's good and there's always entertaining stuff going on, but it's like the frequency you put it out and the quality is insane. And I was really inspired by it, honestly. So that's kind of how we got connected. And um, I'm really stoked to be finally talking to you, man. 
Yeah, yeah, it feels feels good to be after two years of messages back and forth to finally talk face to face. So, uh, and as you mentioned, you've been helping me out as well. So, uh, I think that's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, we should dive into it. So, I yeah. watched a live stream that you did for your YouTube members recently, and you mentioned basically why you strength train, like the biggest reason that you've been implementing the dialed health strength routines. I know you've been mostly using the guided workouts. Uh, what yeah. is that real reason? Like, what's your motivation? Because you're someone who spends a lot of time on the bike, uh, mostly road, and up until the last couple of years, a lot of gravel, big gravel efforts. So kind of dive into why you're doing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think for, for strength, et cetera, on the bike, that I feel that, that I should just ride a lot. But in order to make this riding a lot happen and make it comfortable and to make it possible for me to spend you know two three four hundred kilometers a week uh, uh training and, and riding i think the strength training is mainly helping me for more comfort on the bike and to have maybe a better position so that after a 200 kilometer ride i don't end up with a back that is completely killing me and that will keep me off the bike for two days but that after a long ride like this even the next day i can just go go out and ride again so I think mainly the core strength work is what I've been doing most of the time. Some mobility, um, just to make riding more comfortable and more enjoyable. That's rad. And the back pain was big for you. I remember specifically yeah. you messaged me one time and said that you feel a lot of back pain or a lot of tightness right after a ride. And I maybe yeah. sent you another stretch or something to do then, but that was probably six months ago, even after you had implemented some training. So how has that mm -hmm. changed since then? Has it gotten a lot better? Yeah, definitely. I now, now I sometimes stretch before rides. I often stretch after rides and I felt that my back was just getting really tired during a ride. Uh, so that especially on gravel rides, when you're getting a lot of bumps, um, this was at some point of the ride, I could just feel like, okay, my back cannot support uh, the weight of my upper body anymore. So I'm just like every bump is killing me. And then when I got home, this would just get worse and worse because my back was too tired to do anything but lie down. So if, if I then went, went to do grocery shopping with a backpack on, I would come home completely destroyed. And now, yeah, because I've been doing more of these strength workouts, uh, but also because I'm yeah, relaxing it more, doing, doing some of these stretches after a ride, I just feel that I can continue with normal life after, uh, after doing my, uh, my training. That's rad. I love that yeah. dude. because as much as you want that performance on the bike, you still have the rest of your life to live. And exactly. Like, yeah. You know, like if you're planning on going to an awesome dinner post ride or something like that, and it's not as fun because you're basically in pain, that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. But those were the days, man, when we went, still went out for dinners. Yeah. After rides. <laughs> so I know sore subject right now. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah for real uh, so what is your training frequency and then i want to get into the obvious riding stuff and really your side of things but mm -hmm. um you know my big uh, message to everyone is to aim for two days per week at the minimum and i think yeah. especially for someone like yourself that is the happiest balance to see progress but to not overly do it in general and and fatigue yourself for the bike so what are you trying to aim for as far as your frequency goes? Yeah, these two, definitely. And then like I'll add some stretches, but two sort of more strength-based workouts. So yeah. some of the core work, um, 
yeah, I, I, I try to do it two days a week and uh, I guess 50% of the time I only do one, but, uh, but it's always in the back of my mind that I should be doing it more. And then, yeah, that, that combines with, I think right now, five, six days of riding a week. So usually on the rest day, I will do, uh, I will do some more, some of the more intense, uh, like workout sessions. Yeah. Yeah. A rest day from the bike. And are you still using the kettlebell yeah. quite a bit? Yeah. Yeah. It's here in my living room, always in view. So that, uh, Heck <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, it helps me to remind that I need to do it. Yeah. That's rad. Right on, man. Okay, so let's get straight into some of the gravel stuff you've been doing lately. And I got to throw out a disclaimer. There was an episode a few weeks back where I questioned the potential growth of gravel because I was like, maybe people don't understand it. At no point, please, let me clarify this, people. At no point did I say I didn't like gravel riding or that I didn't think it was awesome. Um, but I found out pretty quick that I think was the assumption, uh, from Fernley himself, also Amber, part of the doubt health team really called me out on that one. So I got to say <laughs> the gravel riding's rad. Um, what, so let's, let's talk about that. As far as the growth with it in the industry, we know a lot of people who already ride have gravitated toward gravel riding. Do you see just the general growth of it being more though? Like someone who, whose first real bike ride is a gravel ride. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think I had a discussion. I'm not sure if it was with you or with someone else on Instagram recently, where I felt that for new riders, getting into cycling through gravel makes a lot more sense than getting into, into riding through road cycling because road cycling is more dangerous. It's much more focused on uh, competition or, uh, or, or performance, whereas gravel cycling, I mean, my girlfriend doesn't ride on the road but she loves to go out on rides that are more into in nature, in the forest, a little bit more like not the, M, the, the MTB side of gravel, but more the relaxed side of gravel where we go bikepacking or something like that. Yeah. I feel that for new cyclists, that makes so much more sense also to just invest in a gravel bike that you can also use on the road. Um, so I, in, in my mind, I think road is now sort of the second thing that you get into or or mountain bike maybe so you you get into cycling through gravel and then you decide do i prefer the road section maybe a little bit more and i add a second bike which is my road bike or do i add a second bike which is my which is a mountain bike i think i think that just makes more sense that honestly you really just changed my mind with that answer that was quality <laughs> that makes so much sense because to learn bike handling for on the gravel and to be able yeah. to get safer to the road or the mountain and kind of let which part excites you more direct you makes so much sense exactly, wow yeah. that was that was quality man i didn't talk <laughs> that way to uh way to rep for the gravel community on that one now i will yeah. say where i live specifically there is a lot more rolling hills i guess i'm right in the foothills right so i'm in northern california uh base of the foothills before you would head up toward tahoe other direction you're going mm -hmm. in the valley toward uh san fran and so for me, I've always seeked out the hills and it seems like when I'm going to the hills, gravel is weird because you're on such rolling terrain where it's like, you yeah. know, big ups, big downs to the point where it's like, well, I feel like I should just be on my mountain bike or I should just be on my road bike. Um, mm -hmm. But then again, I'll be honest, I haven't been out on gravel rides. I have buddies around the area that's, that find the craziest routes. And I think that's yeah. really just my ignorance there because I have this assumption that gravel riding is 
just better if you're in a flatter area, which I know the Netherlands is more flat than where we're at. And same with like the middle of the country, like Kansas. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I guess you're right there. And to be honest, for the Netherlands, the Netherlands is probably one of the worst countries as well for gravel cycling because our cycling infrastructure is so good. Like we have bike lanes through the entire country, everywhere. Oh, yeah. It's really difficult as well to find gravel roads here. They're usually just really short sections of an otherwise road ride uh, that we do. You really have to put a lot of effort into making, you know, half of the ride like on on something that you could call gravel. But but still then, yeah, I don't know. If you get the right gravel bike, you can also use it on the road. So uh, yeah. I, I think just just mixing it in, even if, if a ride is only 20% gravel, I think it's at least 20% more fun than a, than a purely road ride. <laughs> you know, that is true. And that's where that real sense of exploration, I think, comes in. Because yeah. you're now seeking out every little nook and, cran like nook and cranny. And I can think of sections of gravel that I have that I hit on my road bike you know, on, on occasional rides. And I got to say, mm -hmm. it's always a blast. It, it is. Even if it's for 5% of my road ride, I'm on the dirt yeah. looking over at a lake, uh, which is kind of our situation here, or there's a lot of single track trails off of the paved bike paths that you can jump on and jump off. So, and, and it does feel like, you know, when you're squeezing through gates or you're going through a route that's, that Strava can't even pick up, all of a sudden you start feeling like it is an adventure. So I think that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the word adventure is what I enjoy about gravel riding. It it always feels more more adventurous than just a, a road ride, especially in the Netherlands where you're not being hit by cars all the time. Uh, because of our amazing infrastructure, yeah. you have to go off road in order to find some kind of uh, adrenaline rush <laughs> in your in your ride. Yeah, yeah. I will say the adrenaline rush of squeezing through traffic can be pretty gnarly but it's yeah. maybe not the smartest yeah. thing to do um <laughs> yeah well that's where my fixed gear racing side comes in maybe that's the i always also really enjoy that in the in the downtown areas but yeah yeah do you follow safa brian uh a little bit yeah yeah not religiously but i i watch his stuff yeah yeah so uh, i'm just bringing him up because i listened to a podcast that he was featured on recently and uh, it was the Pace and McKelvin podcast. And he talked about being a bike messenger and he did it. Mm -hmm. He's done it through cities almost all over the world and just talking about those characteristics and then how it kind of helps you with navigating line choice, even on the gravel after you're squeezing through traffic and someone pops the door yeah. open and you change lanes. Uh, pretty gnarly sounding. Yeah. I have to be on your toes all the time. And that's, I feel like when I'm on the bike, I'm I'm super focused always and looking way further ahead than some of the people that I ride with uh, because, because that's what you learn. That's what you have to do to survive if you're riding a fixie through uh, through a city. And it okay. definitely also helps on gravel, yeah. Yeah, did you see that meme, by the way? I'm sorry, I'm kind of going on a random tangent here, but uh, <laughs> there was a meme that uh, <laughs> some people posted recently. I think it was like Cat 3 memes, but there's a it shows a bunch of people going over a drop on a roller coaster and everybody in the cars is like freaking out and then there's yeah, one dude staring at the camera just yeah. totally <laughs> nonchalant like not phased and the, the caption was uh when all my roadies take me as a mountain biker on a gravel ride or something like that exactly and i just watched yeah. it you know what i'm saying we're <laughs> basically you know, mountain bikers, especially from the side I come from, which is full on downhill racing, 
just riding like some of the gnarliest terrain you can imagine go to a gravel ride and to them it's like very mellow or like drifting around yeah. a corner is something they seek out whereas you get a full-on roadie who's never spent time on dirt they lose traction and all of a sudden it's sketchy whereas a mountain well, bike I'm expecting it you know yeah i'm i'm that roadie for sure <laughs> <laughs> anytime my rear wheel slips i get crazy excited so yeah that's you so don't want to put me on a mountain bike oh man well it's just funny how those different um sides of it have come into have come into gravel that way and you see the different personalities come through but mm -hmm. i think it also brings back the point you made which is it's a perfect starting point for any cyclist yeah and they can let that excitement lead them whichever way they want that's pretty cool exactly yeah dang that's money okay so what are your let's talk about just single gravel rides you go out for a few hours you're gonna take a gravel bike out do you have any recommendations for people just to make it more fun um something that maybe you wouldn't think of right away or that you'd have to get some experience to start implementing yourself hmm. i don't know the 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 rides that if we go for a gravel ride and we want to make it special we we bring stuff to make coffee mid-ride so we so we can really go outside of uh urban areas which is really difficult in the netherlands so um you really have to find spots where you you won't run into people every every five minutes basically but then if if we bring uh um something to cook some, some to boil some water with and then to make a coffee that again it feels like like a huge adventure and it feels like you're completely off the grid where in the netherlands you never are but that's i don't know that's i guess how we spice things up on the gravel uh, on gravel rides here and otherwise you know our our two-day adventures where you just go you, you take a tent or you only take a like a biffy bag or, or a sleeping bag and you just ride maybe a little bit across the border into germany or into belgium where you do get more off the grid um, and then maybe you you leave in the afternoon you ride for a couple hours you find a place to, to sleep and the next day you ride back that's I don't know it still takes you it's it still fits within 24 hours so maybe it still counts as one ride but that's that, yeah i think that that also adds a lot of adventure into uh into a normal weekend yeah that's cool it's good to know also that it's not so easy for you to go find that solitude and get off the grid quote unquote because you know from my perspective just watching your youtube videos i'm like dude he just he's five minutes from his front door and he's in the woods <laughs> like <laughs> no so no he, way you know <laughs> Um, so that's good. You clarify that because like we mentioned, even finding the routes, you have to probably be intentional about seeking out the gravel, finding out like exploring yeah. a little bit. And then if you bring something to make the ride that much more special, like, um, you know, or make it feel like more of an adventure, a little coffee stop. I yeah. think that's rad. So then with overnight, obviously there's a lot more to consider in regards to packing your bike. Um, and I think a lot of these bike packing things, I, I've even seen on your channel, you've dissected a lot of it, exactly what you're bringing. Mm. Um, is, you know, for anyone listening that hasn't followed uh, Fernie's YouTube videos, they're really good info there. And it's cool to see like what you kind of prioritize. And I think even on some of these where you're bringing like a drone, I think I saw one where you brought a full on like cast iron pan or something and you thought it was, <laughs> you said it was like the dumbest idea ever. I mean, what would you say if you're going overnight, you are gonna tent camp, bring your food and all that is there is there anything you've learned uh that you'd pass on to someone trying it for the first time you have some advice to those people 
yeah usually it's that you don't need uh that you don't need a lot yeah like mm. the first the first bikepacking rides you do you always bring way too much stuff so you come home and you unpack so so that's maybe a top tip that go on a lot of testing rides even if it's just a one a one night overnighter basically you need as, as much stuff for a one night camping trip as for a seven day camping trip but if you do some of these short one night ones then when you come home unpack your bag put it all out and figure out which things you didn't use because usually you bring all this stuff like cooking stuff uh stuff to sleep stuff to like a, a toothbrush is nice but maybe you bring uh deodorant or something why would you use deodorant because your your clothing is going to be smelly anyway like spare right. kit like if you just especially if you do one night but if you're just with two or three mates who cares about being smelly you you, you don't need spare kit and that's that's something that I've learned that right now after maybe uh, ten of these small adventures, I pack way less, and I I feel that for the for the the ultra distance gravel races that we're doing this year, I'm planning to pack really really light, like bring the absolute minimum because also in the Netherlands, but also in for example Spain where we're going to do this, there are shops. You don't need to be completely uh self-sufficient uh in terms of food and those kind of things and bringing less stuff bringing less weight definitely makes the ride more comfortable and uh yeah you can just go further basically yeah and so obviously you mentioned you're just out with a couple friends in the woods who cares if you stink well you are doing this <laughs> with your girlfriend leon right that's pretty yeah, then right? The, yeah yeah that's she then, your kit 24 hours in and not deodorant because i feel like that could be a potential issue yeah well with her it's more uh more bike clamping than uh than real bike packing usually <laughs> yeah she uh she's a little bit more uh more into the luxury side of bike packing than i am personally hey, I respect so, uh, <laughs> I respect. Yeah. it's like she's yeah, yeah. creamer and everything so, Basically, yeah. <laughs> no, usually then we try to find a place where it doesn't have to be a hotel, maybe just a cabin, but but some place where you can wash and uh, and we don't go that far that far and we don't go that that much off the beaten track uh, if we're if it's just the two of us. But yeah. if we're with a couple of guys, then we we try to get make it as rough as possible, basically. Yeah, I think that's cool. You know, I've never done an overnight trip. One thing that looks really cool to me because I am a more of a glamper, you know, I, I don't, <laughs> <laughs> in general, um, I would love to do the overnight packing, uh, you know, tank, tent camp and everything, but riding out to some of these remote cabins looks really freaking cool. Yeah, I, I think the cabins are really, uh, are really good. I, I only discovered them on basically the last, two trips that we went on that yeah. if I just figure out a way to find one of these cabins, then I don't need to bring a tent. I only need to bring a sleeping bag and it saves you so much equipment. Plus it's usually more comfortable than uh, pitching a tent and taking it down in the morning when it's wet. Um, so that's something that definitely, uh, yeah, uh, I can recommend that, that yeah. figure out if these exist, usually they're hiker huts and usually there are some kind of maps somewhere where they uh where they're they're written down on uh yeah look that up yeah and so i wanted to ask you too so obviously you were going with the full-on minimalist approach for packing 
are you bringing mm. anything specific to take care of your body? You know, like uh, a lacrosse ball or something for some kind of deep mm -hmm. release. Are you bringing like a stretch rope or anything like that? No, haven't done that yet. But maybe that's also because usually these overnights that, that we've done so far are not very long. So yeah. it's only one night. And then I think, oh, yeah, I'll just rough it and, uh, and, and like fi fix my body when, <laughs> when I get home. Yeah. But um, yeah, this year, actually, at the end of May, we're doing a, a race that is probably going to take us six days of 16, 18 hours a day riding. So it's, not, it's actually not a bad idea to bring something. I hadn't really considered that yet because you know, it doesn't take up a lot of space, a lacrosse ball. Or, uh, yeah. So, so yeah, maybe I should consider doing, uh, doing this and bringing something. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to bring it up because I think that's something on the longer race, uh, like Badlands mm -hmm. coming up, um, which we'll talk about next. But I think, you know, that could be something that really adds to the comfort. Yeah. You know, even if you are leaning up against laying on the ground and getting your traps or something like that, um, you know, you could also consider a golf ball um, Size-wise, mm -hmm. it could still maybe get the job done. But the one hard thing about that is the texture of it. Like, it doesn't grip on the things. It slips out. So yeah. maybe wrap tape around it, that'd be that much easier to pack, that much lighter than a lacrosse yeah. ball. And it could really maybe even save you, you know? Um, it's a pretty good idea. Thank you very much. I'm going to try that. Just <laughs> try it. Let me know. Um, yeah. I probably won't be bikepacking uh, soon enough to, to try it. But I'd say try the lacrosse ball. But I, I think if you could get away with a golf ball, that might be, a, you know, take it. Even if you have to force yourself to use it on an overnighter just to test it mm -hmm. out, I think that could be something good. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about Badlands and some upcoming kind of races in general. That, uh, is it Badlands at 700 kilometers? Yeah. Is that the race? 750. In the south of Spain, in the Sierra Nevada desert. Um, in the... Yeah, that will... Right? Yeah. Summer? September. Okay, so what's the temperature going to be like out there? Hot. Yeah, so it's hot, it's long, it's dry. Yeah, um, yeah I think 35, 40 degrees Celsius. So that's uh, pretty much as hot as it could potentially ever get in the Netherlands. So it's, it's hot. That's freaking hot, dude. Um, so what are you doing for water? I know, you're not, you know you have like stops and things planned. Do you bring like a life straw or something that you can jump into a stream and get some or what? Well, for that trip, um, I think we still have to figure it out. But yesterday we discussed bringing, well, for, for one, I've got room for at least three uh, water bottles on my bike and um, so that's uh, oh, yeah two liters uh, by then maybe I will add another bottle on the on the front fork or something and then we yesterday we discussed bringing a, a backpack with like basically just one of those camelback thingies yeah. fill, fill it up with five liters of water because even during our ride yesterday which was in the Netherlands we did 300 kilometers mostly uh well trying to find as much gravel as possible but i really had a hard time like finding places where we could fill up our bottles so right now today i've been walking around with a pretty big headache all day because i i wow. didn't hydrate enough yesterday so this is definitely something that we're gonna have to figure out one of the most important things i i think food food is easier to bring because it's not that heavy but right. but water is definitely going to be something to think about and i i don't know in in spain 
maybe there just isn't enough streams or water in the desert to to use one of those straws but we're also doing one in the Czech Republic in Germany in uh, in May and for that actually it might be a good uh, a good plan to bring something like that uh, to yeah. purify water that'd be interesting I've never used one but yeah. I hate conserving water when I ride like I it just yeah. drives me nuts and that of all the things I think of with a big event like that, that's the thing that stresses me out the most, to be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'll be curious to see how you handle it. Um, and then, you know, really kind of what you learned from that experience. That'll be pretty cool, especially in those temps. Because um, I know you're used to just generally riding in, I'd say, cooler temps for most of the year. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. So what are you doing right now for your training specifically to prepare for a race like that? Because you're riding five to six days a week. You're doing... Mm -hmm you know, you're aiming for two days of strength training and mobility, um, and hitting it most of the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what are you doing as far as the, on the bike goes? I can't imagine you're upping your, um, strength training volume. Um, is, is it mainly bike volume? Uh, yeah, I think so. I used to be a, a, well, basically all my training in the previous years, I've only been riding a bike for three, four years, but right. always, something that I consider training was one hour where I was dead after an hour. So pretty, pretty high intensity was the only thing that I considered worthwhile training. Um, but now also with Mike's experience, because he's been riding his bike, he's the guy that I do uh, all of these races with and the photographer that I always ride with shout out to Mikey. Um, and, uh, and he's been riding his bike all his life racing all his life so he has a lot more experience with this kind of stuff and he just rides a lot of volume like low intensity really a lot of volume so that's what we've or what i've added to my to my training before was always only high intensity maybe uh if i would ride five hour five days a week it would be probably six seven hours in total but right now riding five six days a week is you know 15 at least 15 hours uh, in total because all my rides are just a lot longer. So you just space it out evenly between the rides, basically the extra volume, or are you doing like one big ride and then the other rides are kind of like maybe just a little bit? Yeah. Longer? Yeah. The, the, the latter, I think okay. if I do a, a, a training on Zwift, it's still one hour, one hour and a half, but then most of my outdoor rides uh, are, are longer. They're, they're two hours, three hours, four hours, six hours. Yeah. 11 hours yesterday those Average. kind of things <laughs> you know I, have, I haven't announced it yet but i have a, um, a personal event that i'm going to be doing in september that's really going to be pushing my own physical limits like mm -hmm. just questioning whether or not i can do it and because of just like family life and uh, stuff i don't see myself evenly spacing the volume so my kind of plan right now is going to be to keep on with what i'm doing sneak in an extra half hour on the indoor trainer when i can and then every week or two mm -hmm. try and just throw down like a big day because i'm like that's probably yeah. what i can manage time wise and so i'm hoping that that's enough to kind of prep myself um and it sounds like you have like kind of a similar mentality for sure yeah definitely yeah yeah i think i think also that just it teaches you how your body responds to big days. Yeah, it's different. Uh, so you're not too worried about it anymore. Yeah, it, it, that you're not scared to do a, a really big day. 
so, so I think that's also the, the mental the mental part of the of the training is also something that I think is really important that you're not scared of this big ride anymore because you know oh I've done I've done similar rides um, and then yeah maybe that maybe that helps even more than than spacing it out and always doing three hour rides where you know you're going to have to do a, a ten hour ride at some point you might as well throw in a couple of ten hour rides before so you you're not that that scared of it anymore yeah totally especially if you i mean there's a lot of studies that have proven how low volume can prepare you for bigger stuff but mm -hmm. it's the other variables that mess you up with the big high volume rides you know it's the nutrition it's yeah. the, uh, the neck pain that comes up out of nowhere it's all of those things that really stop you from the long day um, opposed to just like how your legs feel, you know, and that's why I do exactly yeah. those huge days are so freaking important. So you brought up, uh, Mikey, which I <laughs> DM him regularly and just say, dude, yeah. your content is so good. His photo uh -huh. and even the photos he'll upload to his Instagram story are, are so fun to like follow. And so yeah. I want to bring up the content creation side of things, because as I mentioned, you know, I've really admired how your workflow has been because you're not only someone who spends time creating the content, you've really looped it into like a real business and, and making this your actual career, which that's just a whole nother level of thought process uh, mm -hmm. that I don't think a lot of people would, would really understand because you have to be so intentional about what you're doing. And it's so nonstop, you know? And so I gotta ask, so basically you have the Ride Beyond crew which is yeah. a crew of friends that goes on all of these adventures together. And it seems mm -hmm. like when you guys go out and ride and you're filming and taking photos that there's multiple people doing it. Mikey being one of them where you'll get photos of you, you'll get photos of him and then you have more of a project. So have, did you have to like basically kind of convince your friends to get into this with you so that you could get the yeah, definitely. You needed? Or was it yeah, that so, to jump on? No, it's, uh, well, basically how it started was I started, I, I took a break from the work that I was doing before. I was designing clothing and textiles, uh, got a little bit depressed because I, it wasn't working out in the way that I wanted it to. And that was three years ago. I decided I would take a couple months, I was riding my bike more and uh, I made my, my first uh, my first ever video just for fun. I had never touched a, a camera before, so I was just recording it with my phone. And then that sort of, that, that, then that grew and I made a couple more videos. And, and about a year later, I reached out to Focus Bikes to see if they would uh, give me a bike because I was riding a really old aluminum bike. And I thought I needed a carbon one to, to be a real cyclist. So that's how I started collaborating with them. And then a year later, they said, hey, Martijn, how would you want to, can you expand this? Can you, can you make it bigger? What, what, what can we do to make it, make it more interesting for you to, to keep doing this? And then I said, well, now I always ride on my own on a focus bike. And I record my friends that are riding uh, Canyon bikes or whatever bikes. So I try to ask them to film me, but that never really works out. Why don't we make a whole group that um, enjoys riding together? So it's it's basically all my friends. And then if we all ride the same bike, then you can sponsor all of us and we can just go on these adventures because basically Focus Bikes is the, the main sponsor behind the Ride Beyond crew. But 
so, so these are all my friends that I would already write with and they're all creative people. Uh, so as you mentioned, Mike's a photographer, we have a couple of designers in there and we all enjoyed cycling in a similar way. Um, but I just put us together. Uh, we called it the Ride Beyond crew and, and now, yeah, we share each other's or we, we share these adventures, uh, together and, and everyone in the crew adds their own sort of creative, uh, essence into, uh, into the whole project. Yeah. Oh, totally. It seems like you guys are so like-minded in that sense where you yeah. love cycling, but you have this passion for, you know, Mikey with photography. Um, it seems like a Tim also is, uh, I, I think Smolders is his last name. Yeah. Um, Tyler. Yeah. Okay. So I <laughs> just Americanized it so bad. Uh-huh. So, uh, his design work is insane. Uh, some of his photos. And I'm just saying this for everyone listening because I follow the whole crew and kind of see what they're all about. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know his name, but the cranky club dude. Cool. Yeah. So he's also putting out product that it, it seems like it's just this crazy full circle thing where you guys are so like-minded and when you yeah. come together for these rides, you're able to create this great product and content out of it. So once you, first off, shout out to focus for hooking up you and your friends. I think that's so, mm-hmm. cool. and for you yeah, making, definitely. That, yeah. making that ask, you know, um, because it's obviously worked. So then they were obviously on board once that happened and you guys decided to like step it up a little bit. Did it really change mm-hmm. the dynamic of your rides? Because I know personally when I'm trying to get out and get content on a ride, it can kill the vibe, especially if I'm with some racers that just want to go and hammer. And I'm like, be in the insta douche like yo film this real quick or, <laughs> you know i'm gonna super yeah. tough hill at 20 miles an hour because i need it whatever and so it did it change the dynamic or are you very clear about when you're going to shoot and when you're not going to shoot like how do you navigate that balance of just fun riding versus content yeah it's, it, it is tricky um but and sometimes we have to direct it a little bit especially when we go on these trips because of course we do a lot of all of our weekly daily rides we, we ride them together as well and then i don't bring a camera and then mike also doesn't always bring his camera um but so sometimes on these on these trips when we go to girona for example for five days then we have an idea okay this is what we want to shoot on those days and then we go there particularly to shoot some kind of story but most of the time it's actually just the the group dynamic that kind of just works where everyone realizes that sometimes yeah we have to uh we have to talk to martin when when he's holding his camera and and usually they actually say that they don't really notice it anymore after a while yeah when i am filming and when i'm not filming and that's i i never try to direct maybe i will try to create a certain situation where i hope something will happen also in the planning the routes which mike always does um, we try to find a nice spot, but then whatever we capture, especially with the Right Beyond crew, not when we're doing campaigns for, for other brands, but especially when we're doing stuff with the crew, basically we just capture what happens. And everyone is sort of okay with having a camera uh, held up to their face every now and then. To and, and then they will say whatever they would normally say in Dutch to me. They will say it in English. That's something that also feels a little bit weird for all of us mm-hmm. because when we're when there's no camera we we speak dutch when there is a camera all of a sudden all of our conversations are in english so that's definitely something uh-huh. that we've gotten used to um over time but um 
Oh, that's but funny. now it just feels like a part of the dynamic. Yeah, it's it's it definitely changed the dynamic, but it hasn't. Like for me personally, it makes me appreciate beautiful rides more. Yeah, because I I'm looking out for these nice spots, and before maybe I was just uh, hammering it all the time, and now I. I appreciate the, the, the views more and, and the, the special moments that we have that I try to then capture. And I think everyone enjoys in the crew also looking back at the photos that Mike takes and looking back at the edits that I make from our adventures. So it's, it's kind of a, a, diary, a diary that we collectively keep, uh, which, is, uh, which is nice uh, to have. Yeah. yeah, that's a funny behind the scenes look as far as even what language you're speaking when the camera's out versus yeah. and as someone who just watches all your YouTube stuff, that is pretty funny. Um, and I think it's cool what you say about stopping and enjoying it because I think it can be frustrating to have to stop sometimes when you're like, ah, oh, dang, I need to get that or whatever. But when you're going out and you are all have decided, okay, we are doing this to create the best piece of content, to create the best story we can, um, because really this is, part of our job and this is our job mm -hmm. and we want it to stay our job. So this is like what we need. To <laughs> I yeah. think understanding that and then also really making the decision to make that the focus over your own writing and your own performance is the real key to like doing it successfully in long-term because even for myself, I can get caught up in, in my own riding, like the selfish things I want to get from a ride where I don't want to stop and this and that. But mm -hmm. truthfully, like you mentioned, the feeling of having the, the content at the end of it and to be able to share it with people is very satisfying uh, because it become it makes it bigger than yourself. You're not just writing for you, but you are having impact and inspiring other people. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I, I don't know. I, I just, it's funny because I'm almost like verbalizing what I've been feeling, trying to make riding more and more part of my job, which has been really cool. But I think for anyone yeah. who loves to ride and wants to pursue uh, this type of work, I guess, um, you just have to prioritize the content over your own writing at times and be okay and comfortable with that. Exactly. At times, because I always, I also know that if, if I would do this every ride, if I would bring my camera on every ride, I would, I would stop writing probably very quickly because it would just get boring and frustrating. So, I mean, I put out one video a week. I ride five, six days a week. So there's, there's definitely a lot of rides where I don't take my camera and where we just ride. And then when I bring my camera, I usually have an idea like, oh, yeah, today is a special day, so I can make this in the story, which also means that half of the time I don't have to think about, okay, what's the story of the video going to be like? Because I know like, oh, yeah, in a bit we will hit the beach and then I will do a little bit more recording. And then oh, yeah, I know a nice bit that is coming up later, then I'll record a bit more there. So yeah, maybe this, it took me a while, I guess, to find also this, this switch in my, in my mind, like turn it off and on and, and still in a ride that, that maybe lasts uh, four hours. I know that I don't have to think about content for four hours. It only has to be like half an hour and then it's still, it's still, I capture enough uh, to make an engaging video. Yeah. That's cool. I'm going to definitely use that for my own, for my own, uh, uh, content yeah. <laughs> out there. Um, okay. So I got to ask then of all of these adventures you've been on, what has been your favorite and not mm -hmm. specifically to gravel. It could be road. I know one of the, my favorite videos I watched was one of your, uh, videos in Italy from a year or two ago. Um, I think it might've been four focus bikes, but it, what, what sticks out to you is like just the thing that 
you remember the most, or maybe at this point you could look back on and be like, man, that was the trip. Yeah, I think uh, my highlight from last year was actually going to Australia with, uh, with Mike at the start of the year. Yeah. In, uh, in January, when the weather was still really, really terrible here, it was the first time that we met up with, uh, with the map crew um, in, um, in Adelaide when the Tour Down Under was happening there. It was just two weeks that were so relaxed. We rode every day, probably an average of, uh, of 100 kilometers a day, through the Adelaide Hills, beautiful area, something completely different than what we're used to here. Mm-hmm. Um, really good atmosphere. The people were really nice. Beers every night, pizza. I, I think that was my most most relaxed, but also one of the one of the times where, I, for me, I made the most honest and and most most real videos, because that's that's all, always the the setting that I prefer when I create uh, content is when when I get to experience something new, and then I can show you how I experienced this or we as a group experience something that for us is new. So we see new areas and, and we meet new people. That's, uh, th- that's what I enjoy capturing the most. And that's, yeah, I think still my favorite trip from, uh, from last year was this. Yeah. That's so rad. Okay. I re- as you brought that up, I remember how jealous I felt of you being in the <laughs> because yeah. I mean, I'm so spoiled. I'm in California, but it still does get cold. I love the hot weather. And like my wife and I's dream is to go and live in Australia for January, oh, really? February every year, just to escape yeah. winter for a brief moment. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing those videos and I was like, oh man, he's out there sweating. It looks so good. I think one of them <laughs> yeah. you had, you did a big ride and then you finished the day on a rooftop, just drinking a beer or something like that. Um, is that yeah, that? That's how every day ended pretty much. Okay. <laughs> it was sick. Yeah. It, it just yeah. Thought it was so fun. So that's cool, man. Um, yeah. So it sounds like escaping winter is the, is the ticket. Yeah, um, that is. Yeah. All right. So we are officially going into our rapid fire question round. Um, first thing that comes to mind, a couple of these are from me. Uh, we just have like, I think 10 of them or so. And uh, uh, I'll, I'll try to keep my answer short then. <laughs> um, let me see. Yeah, just about 10. I wrote on my Instagram story to basically your audience and just said, hey, is there anything you want me to ask him? So ready for this? Mm-hmm. Okay. You need to chug a beer real quick or anything? You're good? Just had one. Okay, beautiful. I'm- All right. So <laughs> first question, sweet or salty? Salty. Favorite tattoo? Oh, um... The hops on my arm, like my left arm is covered in uh, tattoos of plants that I can drink. So I have juniper berry for gin. I have uh, coffee cherries for coffee. No uh, Hops for hops for beer, um, a cola berry for the Coca-Cola that I drink and then a banana. But I guess my hops, hops, the hops one is still the favorite. Oh man, I had no idea that was (laughs) what those were. (laughs) Yeah. Dang, you are a legend. That's so sick. Okay, so then the next question, this is for me. How tatted are you going to get? When do the tattoos stop? Do you have a mission as far as tattoos? I think my, no, but the pace has dropped. So um, it, it goes in waves. Sometimes I don't think about it for two years, and then I get a couple in, uh, in a really short amount of time. Right now I'm at, uh, uh, at a low, I guess. I got one last year, but um, I am thinking about starting it up again. But... 
I don't know anything anything but the face I guess right that's, yeah that, that's what my mom wants at, at least you got to draw the line at the face I mean I got like a beaver yeah. tack tat on my neck it's pretty mellow mm-hmm. um for me I always wanted hand tattoos and so I got yeah. it like screw it and I, I plan on just blasting out this whole left arm like shoulders to fingertips in fact I don't know if I've told you but I'm gonna copy your inner finger tattoos yeah you told me about it I was okay. I was wondering if you'd already done it I can definitely mm-hmm. recommend not doing it it was crazy painful (laughs) you know what the top of my fingers down toward the bed of my nail because if you have my phone down here you could see like i'm right up to it that was so excruciating man (laughs) i mean but yeah i have flashbacks (laughs) say that again Uh, it brought me flashbacks of, of, of the time when i got my like the insides of my fingers done (laughs) oh man well thanks for the warning um (laughs) morning ride or night ride night wow not a morning person okay uh favorite ride food uh anything salty but uh real food like a wrap or something that we find somewhere really so what's that what's a small salty bite that you would get is it just some chips or something or mm, usually salty caramel bars okay uh, but then when, when i can get some actual food like a sandwich or a wrap that, that we can find that is fresh that's what i really really crave when i'm on the bike usually okay so now sorry i'm slowing the speed round down but i'm curious <laughs> so because when i think of quick bites i'm definitely a sweet guy but it's always just like it's like gel little candy yeah little something like that um, coca-cola something i know you will do that um but what do you do if you're out on, on a two-hour ride and you want to eat an hour in yeah then i do eat something sweet because it's the okay. easiest one of the uh, like an energy bar i do bring them but i don't i don't really enjoy them i eat them for for function yeah yeah interesting um yeah i wonder if like the gels like sis or um i use png gels like some of the more saltier uh, Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, so are you there? We're lagging a bit. Okay, I just lost you for a second. Yeah. Um yeah, I was wondering if you know there's some gels out there that are way less sweet than others. Um, mm-hmm. if that'd be like a better fit for you. Uh but it's good to know yeah, you still will so. just slam it just because you have to. Yeah, definitely. Any food is good food on a ride. Yeah, there you go. So uh <laughs> instant or brewed coffee while bikepacking? Brewed. I I don't drink instant coffee. Period. I used to work in coffee bars. I had a I had a mobile coffee bar for a while when I was studying. Um, I I instant coffee is definitely a no go. Just can't so, do it. Would you label yourself an f- official coffee snob? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> no right. doubt about it. Where is it proudly? <laughs> and you do like a pour over when you're bikepacking, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, one of my uh, teammates actually has this really cool thingy that he got from Japan, which looks like a, like one of these open tea bags where you can add the tea yourself, except in, in his case, it comes pre-packaged in a one serving package with coffee in there. And it works really well. You don't need any brewing equipment. You just need boiling water, basically. So yeah. that's what we, uh, what we always bring uh, because it's the most convenient. So it's like a tea bag, basically, of just coffee. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. 
That's cool. Uh, there's a local guy. Um, he's actually a Dow fan member. Shout out to Remedy Coffee, but they make those as well. It's really good. Yeah. Um, and in fact, like summer, I'll do a cold brew where I'll just put it in a in some cold water, and then while I go ride mm-hmm. for a couple hours, it's just kind of brewing yeah. up. And it's super yeah. light, but it's it's great at the end of a ride. Um. Okay. So then I got to ask, what is your favorite coffee prep? Like your go-to? Like what do you make for yourself every morning? Coffee wise. Coffee wise. Like I make a French toast every morning. It's my favorite. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, right now I just got, um, uh, a regular filter coffee machine, a regular pour over machine that everyone has in a, in, in any Dutch household has, um, I got back into that, but then I do freshly grind the coffee. I uh, just make a batch of that because then I can, I can drink two, three cups without having to, redo my coffee but i'm also having an old espresso machine that i used to use restored right now so that for my afternoon and and late break late morning coffee i can i can make a a cortado uh that's that's my jam whenever i put more attention to it is a cortado is that equal parts cream and espresso yeah espresso Uh do you add anything else like simple syrup or maple syrup or anything no sweeteners. Oh, because you're not really a sweet guy. Okay, that's right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nice. Dude, that's cool. Okay, right on. I heard about the espresso machine actually on your uh, your live stream. Yeah, true. Okay. So then last question uh, for riding temps. Would you rather be a little bit too hot or a little bit too cold? A little bit too hot also, no doubt about it. I absolutely hate, hate, hate being cold. Yesterday on the long ride, like the first 100 kilometers I was cold, which meant that the first 150 kilometers, I was really grumpy. And then when my body warmed up again, then I started like feeling myself again. So I, I, I think I got this from my mom. She also can't stand the cold, but I really like my, my hands go numb instantly. My feet go numb instantly when I go out in the cold. So yeah, I would much rather be, uh, be too hot. Yeah. And that makes yeah. it hard when you're doing big rides, like I'm always the guy with extra layers on like, cause mm-hmm. I don't even want the first 10 minutes of my ride to be miserable. Exactly. <laughs> but then again, you know, 10, 20, 30 minutes in, I'm already pulling off my head wrap. I'm pulling off this uh, layer. Uh-huh. It's annoying to carry all day. So it's like that balance of, do I tough it out for the first bit or am I comfortable the whole ride? And it's just, it's annoying, but I got to give you props, man, because I think when you, from the outside, see what you do, it's easy to make assumptions. Like in my head, you guys are always riding in the wet and the cold and I don't have to deal with that nearly as much. And in my head, I'm like, oh, they, they're probably just cool with it. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, no, we hate it, but yeah. we are more used to it, I guess. Yeah. It's yeah, just a part of life. I mean, if you, if you don't do that, then you're riding indoors three quarters of the year. Right. In the Netherlands. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So props on that, man. Well, dude, I got to thank you so much for your time today. That was super fun. We actually covered everything I was hoping to. And thanks for letting me go more in depth uh, and just kind of fanboy out a little bit. It was fun hearing about the behind the scenes. (laughs) Yo, anytime. Awesome. As promised, I have a little dialed health business update for you and also a personal life update, kind of let you know what's been happening with your boy the last couple weeks. And there's a lot to fill you in on. So the first things first, the website is booming, baby. It's booming. And it feels so good to say that because we've actually had a bit of a plateau since February. 
Now, with January, we started with a nice surge from the Dialed Health Shred, and then we ended up losing quite a bit of subscribers at the end of it, at the end of the month. And live and learn, I didn't really expect that to happen or plan on it, but I guess that's what happens when you throw a short-term challenge. It actually, it makes a lot of sense. But it hit and I was like, okay, that's definitely the explanation. But now these twins are here. And I'll be honest, it's getting super hard for me to produce the amount of work I was and the content and just, to be honest, just do what I knew worked. And at least had gotten me up to that point over the last year. That had been so interrupted and watching the stagnation of the website and knowing that I'm not doing the work that I feel like I should be doing or up to par of what I'm used to became very stressful because they're so directly correlated. You know, it's, I, I had to remind myself, it's not like I have this job where I can kind of do the bare minimum and get by for a while. It's like, so the, the production is almost so correlated to my daily workflow. It is insane. And it was another proof of it. So I, it's not like to add stress to it. It's just reality. It's just how it goes. But thankfully, there's a lot that has changed over the last month. And I want to kind of let you know what I think's led to this boom. Okay, so the first of all, I was featured on three different podcasts within a two week span. And I had mentioned it two weeks back on the, I would say, quote unquote, episode I did just telling you about them. So there was the Trainer Road Successful Athletes podcast, the Sonia Looney show, and also the Biker One podcast. All three of them allowed me to plug dialed health in a different way and reach a different audience uh, for each, which was amazing. And I think that's having a real impact on the website. And last week, Fernley, who you just heard on the episode, did a live stream for his members on his YouTube channel. And I didn't even know he had given me a shout out there, but I was watching it while I was spinning on my turbo trainer, which is funny because he did the interview spinning on his indoor trainer. And I was watching it. People started asking him about his off the bike training. And I was like, come on, dude, you got to say something. Boom. Gave me such a sick plug. And I really believe that had something to do with it as well. So between all of those kind of organic streams of marketing, there's been quite a bit of a boom, but we've also uh, included paid marketing as well. Now it's not, it's like the slowest start ever because truthfully, I haven't been able to create the ad that I want to, to get to my, uh, my guy, but we have uh, someone who is actually doing real ads for us now. And at this point, he's just uh, promoting posts, but he's directing people to the website. And I think that's also creating it as well. Now, the third thing that's happened over the last month is that Amber, Amber Simon, DialFam member, has really officially become part of the team. And I, I don't want to say officially because... Well, I, I don't know. Can I say why? I don't know if I can say why. I'll just tell you she's really working with me and she's very patient uh, in understanding that I'm not a great boss at this point. <laughs> she is taking the bull by the horns and helping me steer Dowd Health and do things on the back end uh, that have been really eye-opening to me as far as what you can do with a real team. And she's, I mean, I don't know, bringing a lot of confidence into just the future of of dialed health and, and even bringing more people on board that just do stuff I don't know how to do because it is so true. You think that you can, you're the only person that can do this. You're the only person that can do that. And I've had my hand in every part of the business. I've been running every part of the business for so long. It's hard to let it go. And it's hard to trust somebody and assume that they can do your job as well as you, if not better. And 
I think every single thing I've given to Amber to this point, and it's been very random stuff to do, she's done it so much better than I could have done it. <laughs> it is so awesome. And you're going to see the results of that pretty soon. Uh, but the first thing that you might be feeling um, the effects of are the kits that came out. The Dialed Health, 2021 Dialed Health kits. I'm sorry by the time you're hearing this, the store has closed. But those came out so sick, and she is such a big... Uh, part of that or a reason for that and a reason that we're going to actually have the road kits by summer and the mountain bike kits in a couple weeks so uh shout out to amber on that also shout out to chad who has been also helping me just with like consulting for the business and giving me some big picture views and opening my eyes into how to actually scale this thing and build the foundation necessary so i'm sorry if that was kind of a boring thing for you to hear but those are all the things on the back end that although I haven't been producing the way that I want to up until recently, numbers wise, those have been building on the back end. And man, I think it's setting us up to really handle more of this workflow. And so, uh, yeah, super pumped on that with Dialed Health. It's going in a great direction. But I think even more important than that, personally, you guys, I am out of the pity party. I'm done. I am done. Let me tell you about this. You Well, I probably don't even need to because you've been hearing me complain about the twins and I'll say complain loose. Truthfully, I have been so shocked about how difficult it's been that instead of like not really owning it, I wanted to address it and just tell you how real it was. And I think admit to myself that it is real, it's legit, and it's harder than I thought it would be. And it's just effing everything up. But I got a little bit negative with it mentally, where I started seeing it as such a burden. And I started focusing on what I just couldn't do so much. And I bring it up to anyone who is going through something similar, like something comes up in your life, it's preventing you from doing what you want to do or using your time a little more selfishly. And, and that's truthfully what it is, even though I'm quote unquote productive, it's like the only way I know how to be. I'm a hard worker. It's still like for me because although I'm trying to take care of my family, my, dude, my kids don't care whether I'm here doing this or, you know, doing any other job. I guess as long as it's not like <laughs> selling crack on the corner or something like I don't you know what I mean? Like within reason, my family just wants me to be there and be a good dad. Like when I leave and go be dialed health guy it's like kind of for me, like I've really steered this job in this direction because it's exactly what I want to do. And thankfully, I think that passion comes out and it makes for a better product. And, you know, it's like helping other people more than if I was doing anything else. But it's still a very selfish thing. So like feeling like I can't do that the way I want has been so hard. And I've just let it nag at me. And I've, I've been genuinely so pissed off at points privately um, and even just kind of talking to my wife about it where I'm like, you know, I, it's only been until the last couple of weeks where I've really thought about my, my twin babies in like an endearing way. And I, I know that sounds crazy to say, but it's just been so stressful. So anyways, I, all, I took all of that into consideration and I'm out here riding. So Saturday I did a century ride and I went out and just, I wanted to bury myself. I just wanted to go and just, I don't know. I don't know what I needed, but apparently this was it. It was like the realization that it's like, dude, first off, you're, you've gotten the family that you wanted. You know, what a blessing. And secondly, you've accepted that it's tough. You've admitted it. And now it's time to like literally step it up. It's time to get back after it and not use this as an excuse anymore. And there's little things, you guys. Like 
I have been trying to give myself a little bit of leeway, like flexibility uh, in regards to nutrition. I've been eating a little too much dessert. And I say too much because it, it takes me off my ultimate goal. Like I can feel myself putting on body fat and that's not me. That's not who I want to be. Like it just is. I don't feel as good. There's no difference between eating a little and eating a lot. I'm eating a little bit too much. And I have been drinking so much alcohol. Seriously. I can't even lie about that. And it's because of the stress. It's like I've been going to work and not accomplishing everything I wanted to. So I'm, I'm driving home stressed because I know when I walk in the door, I have zero opportunity to work. And so I walk into three crying kids and, and my toddler's kind of a, he's, you know, he's a curveball. Like you don't know which way he's going to go. He could be freaking out and throwing a fit or he could be like the sweetest, most helpful baby ever. Um, he's like literally trying to burp the babies now. It's so cute, but you never know what you're going to get. So you, I'll walk in, babies are freaking out. It's full on. And I'm like, you know what? Your boy needs a drink right now. If I'm going to get through this, I need a drink. And even though I know it makes the night harder because waking up's harder at 1 a.m. after a couple drinks. It's like just to get through those few hours and not think about work and not like let the stress get to me. I've really been like coping with that in the realest way. And I can admit it because I know I do have control. I mean, shoot, I just did uh, six weeks dry January. I've taken a few days off here and there just to reel it in. But it's also just not in line with my goals. And I want it to be. I know a lot of you know my nutrition habits at this point because I talk about it frequently, but I love to eat. I love sweets. I love drinking alcohol. Like I would do it on a daily basis, but it's just not, it's, it causes too much friction with my real goals in life. And so this week, I'm not going to be drinking until the weekend. So that'll be a nice little span for me to detox a little bit. I'm not going to be tracking my food, but I will be saying I'm going to be very, very intuitive to what I'm eating and making sure I'm going to bed in a deficit each night. Um, if I have a bigger ride, I might track just to be sure with the calories. But I just want to clean out my system. I want to just not cut myself slack and be like, oh, it's okay. Like, you know, it's, it's tough right now. Like, you can just, like, help, your, you know, treat yourself. No, no more. I'm going to treat myself to freaking crushing it. That's what I want to do. I want to treat myself to getting after it so hard that, I don't know, I, I guess at the end of the week, I want to I wanna impress myself. And I want to keep those promises with myself, which is really... Um, to try and just like lead this thing by example. So I get, basically I'm saying all of this, you guys, and now I'm like trying to amp myself up because <laughs> I know come Wednesday, I'm going to want to drink, but <laughs> probably even tonight. But truthfully, I just, uh, it, it's, it's over. I've given myself time to accept it's been tough. Um, we're starting to turn a corner schedule wise. I think I really am adapting to it. And that's it. Pity party's over, man. No more feeling sorry for myself. I have no reason to. And um, I think that, I don't know, I don't, I don't know what you're going to see, but hopefully you'll notice a little bit of change. And I want to really thank anybody who is kind of maybe seen some of the stuff I've done as a little more negative or complaining, because uh, I understand it kind of has been. I'm trying to follow the, I mean, I'm trying to have a balance of being real and honest with you guys about what I'm going through without being a downer. Uh, because that's not who I am. I, I really love bringing the energy. And I feel like that's one of my missions in life is to bring real, genuine, positive energy into people to help like energize them. You know, I want to be a faucet, not a drain. You know what I mean? So anyways, 
uh, cheers to you guys. And what, why did I say cheers? Oh my gosh, you know I have drinking on the brain. It's because I want some water. I'm taking a sip. Elevator music. Here we go. I can't. The, I, the fact I just said cheers is such a bad sign for how my week is going to go. But <laughs> anyways, you guys, I hope that no matter what you're kind of dealing with right now, that you can give yourself time to kind of accept what's going on and, and really analyze it. But there's going to be a point where you have to, you have to nip it in the bud and move on. And, and that's what I'm choosing to do this week. And it feels very good. It feels so refreshing. In fact, a quote I wanted to hit you within the intro that I forgot with, I forgot about, is from Ray Dalio. And I said it on my Instagram post, but it was meant for last week's podcast. So uh, it's just so fitting for what I'm going through. And I hope it resonates with you as well. It is that pain plus reflection equals progress. And the next one is adaptation through rapid trial and error is invaluable. And it's so true. You have this pain. For me, it's the twins arriving and my work schedule being completely effed up. Um, and, and honestly, this, there's still a lot of like lingering coronavirus pain. I'm, I, it's like I have this weird sense of PTSD from it where I feel like any day something just weird can happen. Um, but yeah, that's like the pain. It's just like how much I've had my work affected uh, and how difficult the, the home life has been just effort, like exhausting wise, right? And then there's the reflection, which is what I've been doing. Big century ride helped. You know, if when in doubt, go just pedal your brains out. And by the end of it, you'll probably have an answer, which I did. Uh, and my answer was, it was, oh my gosh, dude, you have to stop using this as a crutch, as an excuse. And that's the real progress. And sometimes that adaptation takes a little trial and error. But when you figure it out, it's invaluable. And Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Dialed Health Podcast. I really hope it adds some value to your week. As I've already mentioned, go follow Fernwee on Instagram. Go follow him on YouTube and subscribe to his stuff. It's incredible. You will not regret it. And I really want to thank you, Martin, for having me. Um, interview you and just for your time because I really understand how much content you're pumping out and uh, it's, it's very valuable. So, so thank you again for that. You guys, if you are enjoying the podcast, please screenshot your phone, do a little screen recording and post it to your Instagram story. Make sure you tag myself, Dialed Health. If it's this episode, tag Fernley as well. And just let people know you're listening to it. It really helps for the growth of the show. You could also leave me a five-star review and just write anything positive. Say, I like this show. It is great. It helps me with my strength training. I can do push-ups now. Whatever you want to say. <laughs> if it's a lot more thoughtful than that, even better. But don't feel obligated. I just want you to know that those types of reviews are things I cannot go do for myself. And they make such an impact when not only people are finding the show credibility-wise, but also when I'm trying to network and grow and get on other people's shows and the credibility of having guests on my show. Um, so really, the more reviews you leave the better it's gonna look for other guests to come on and hopefully it's people that you wanna hear from. So it's a win-win situation. And with that being said, I hope you have an incredible week. Start moving forward. I will see you next Wednesday.